0: We're going to talk a little bit more about Notre Dame, but I have a question, and I'm, I'm, I've got Mitch on to talk about it on today's show. BC's had a miserable season. Is the issue a majority of the offensive line? Is it just a little bit? We both have our thoughts. We're going to get your thoughts as well on today's Locked On Boston College. Hello and welcome, Locked on BC here, AJ Black. As always, I am joined by, not always, but I am usually joined by Mitch Wolf. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase or of $10 or more. Now, Mitch was away for the weekend. As you saw, he didn't, he uh, wasn't on yesterday's episode because he was coming back home. So Mitch, how much of uh, Saturday's game did you actually get to watch? More than I'd care to admit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you saw the first half, I think that was basically it as both teams just tried to run clock the second half. Listen,
1: D.C.'s second half defense, let me tell you, they're great. Um, Seven uh, points to Notre Dame in the second
0: half. We're not going to get into Halfway's comment where he actually said that. Oh, my God. He said we got better Uh, in the second half. (laughs) uh, Um, Okay. Anyways. (laughs) So, on yesterday's episode, I said I was getting into – the fact that there really isn't much to take away from this game. And I was I was I've been thinking about this. Now I'm a guy last week I said when I was at BC, I remember sitting in it's now my wife's dorm room in Walsh, watching the goalpost leave alumni stadium in two thousand two, I think it was, uh, when Tony Gonzalez caught that touchdown in, in South Bend. It feels like BC is on another planet for Notre Dame at this point. Like they're not even on the same they're not even the same like league because Notre Dame just seems so much more talented than Notre than BC. Do you have any thoughts about that Mitch?
1: Yeah, I think that that's been the thing, the way it's been trending kind of ever since Brian Kelly started Notre Dame and you know, he is obviously gone now, but Marcus Freeman it's first year. So it's pretty much all the same players. And he's a, you know, he had, he had a rough start to the season, but he's a pretty good coach. It's pretty clear. They've had some impressive wins, some questionable losses, but some impressive wins down the stretch thus Uh, regardless. And yeah, they are, they are recruiting at a clearly different level. And I mean, Notre Dame is Notre Dame. That's kind of why BC fans don't like Notre Dame because of their uh, haughtiness regarding Notre Dame's brand. But at the end of the day, you have to admit it is a strong brand and much stronger than BC's. And It was funny, you know, yeah, the game ends with this big snowstorm, which is kind of one of the big bugaboos for BC's recruiting, is that, you know, going from cold weather, and you get the same in Notre Dame, and it was it was not a fun game. did not look like a fun game to be playing in towards the end. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to say this is a rivalry, considering, I mean, I can't even remember the last time BC won. I can't even really remember the last time they were, I guess the last time they were competitive was 2015 in Fenway, which was a a slog of a game that if BC had a shred of offensive competence that year, they might've actually been able to win. And I think that was a down year for Notre Dame too, if I remember correctly, because mm-hmm. I think that was the year they lost to NC state in an absolute hurricane. <laughs> I think that was the same season. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it's yeah, they are two different programs and they're definitely kind of going in different directions at this point. I, I, I'm not sure BC's ever gonna, BC is ever going to BC is realistic. If I never going to be, at Notre Dame's level, it's, it's extremely difficult for programs to shift in those tiers of quality. You know, even, yep. even, pro, even programs, even when they shift down, like think about programs like Florida state and Miami, like who have had some rough years in recent past, but they're still kind of considered in that upper echelon. And even look at a team like Penn state, who is they're nine and two this year, they're only two losses are to the numbers two and three best teams in the country. And that's who they always lose to then some do some years they have worse years than others but they just can't get past that ceiling getting into that that you know top the the parent the the premier tier of college football so and bc is never going to be on that tier with notre dame and it's it kind of sucks to you know we, i think we have to remind ourselves that and i i don't think i, I didn't think bc was going to win this game i think that Maybe the flu. And I'm not. I'm not saying they lost because of the flu. I'm just saying that I think the flu thing hadn't happened. It might have been at least a little more competitive, especially along the offensive line, which we know is a position group affected by the by the illness. And you know, we we know the offensive line has been bad this year, but this was <laughs> there at least by pro, by PFF grades, and I would say by the tape too. This was their worst performance of the season by a pretty significant margin. And I'm not again. I'm not saying that they would have been great or even good if the flu hadn't happened, but. I think they would have at least had a few more competent plays. And especially once you get in the later in the game, when it is snowing and it's even colder and you're dealing with sickness and
0: you're just thinking, man, I just want to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point it's, it felt like that. And, you know, I think that that's a great point. Like we've talked ad nauseum about this offensive line and Hey, the second segment we're going to talk about is this offensive line. But I think the big key in this game was how much of an advantage Notre Dame had in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I thought their defensive line was infinitely better than BC's offensive line, and I thought their offensive line was way better than our off our defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think they gave up four pressures
1: on dropbacks to Drew Pine, and, and not that he threw a bunch. I think he only how say had he only had like 20, yards. Yeah, twenty six dropbacks. Uh, He's only pressured on four of them. No sacks. Two point under two point five seconds average time to throw. He had one scramble. So averaged up the target 5.7 so you know he had two drops not thrown it down the field got one ball batted one thrown away so you know again they weren't asking him to do much he only barely completed fifty percent of his passes but you know something something we did kind of gloss over in our preview of the game was the running attack and that was something where Notre Dame obviously really took the game over was just being able to run essentially at will against BC I think they ran for like over 250 yards yep. or something and that was evident from the first drive where they just had I think two or three big runs that got them down to the uh, in the red zone. And it was like, OK, well, this is over. <laughs> yep. Now and that, and that is kind of liberating where it's like, you know, yep. there was really I don't even again, even if BC had been healthy with regards to the flu, I don't
0: think there was any way they were getting out of this game with a win. Yep. Oh. And and, and I, I, I go back to and I want to ask your thoughts on this, because it, it seems a very popular uh, sub- sentiment sentiment, excuse me, among the fans to say BC was outcoached. That's usually what they say about every game. And I know it's like the, the go-to thing, but I don't feel like BC got outcoached in this game. I feel like they just got the crap kicked out of them. Yeah. And I think, you, Is that I, think fair? I think you can,
1: you know, you can point certain things in the end, especially this late in the game where, or sorry, this late in the season where you can say, Hey, like, you know, there are things you need to be improving on, but you know, there in football, there are times where you just like, hey, you got to go out and do your assignment, and you do everything right, and the guy across me is just a better football player than you, and yep. he be- he beats you. And you know, I-, I can't find Notre Dame's like blue chip numbers in terms of uh, four and five stars, but. I, I don't think I think BC doesn't have any five stars, if I remember correctly. No, they don't. Notre Dame probably has at least a handful.
0: And their highest not, rated recruit they have is the Burton. guy that had the lowest pro football. And he's a transfer pro lowest pro football focus grade of the game. Uh, Wood
1: Bay. <laughs> yeah. 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 This was a rough game for Wood Bay, which was kind of surprising, but yeah, I mean, oh yeah, guys, I guess he'd be a technically a five star. So, or he was a high four star at least. So, yep. you know, I think you could probably say BC has maybe 10 of those blue chip recruits. So Notre Dame probably has at least 25 and maybe, yep. maybe if you reduce that to the guys, the number of guys who are playing consistent snaps, yep. you probably get a handful of those for BC you get a guy like drew Kendall who, who's, you know, playing a premium position has been struggling as of late. I'm kind of wondering if his injury bug is back and he's still just a, a developing player a guy like CJ burden, who's been banged up. I don't, I'm going to check. I don't even, he has been kind of weirdly in and out of the lineup. I'm not sure if he played. And if he did, if those snaps were meaningful, uh, I don't see his, Oh, he had nine snaps. So, you know, the, again, those guys aren't really playing for one reason or another. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes recruiting wrong <laughs> recruiting rankings can be wrong, but I think on the average you can kind of lean on them to say like, okay, like this team is demonstrably more talented than the other team. And right at the end of the day, you know, you can try to coach, you can do all this. And I think I'd have to rewatch it again to see like, okay, like where, where could Halfley have made a different decision. And again, we we're not in practice feasibility. You don't really know. And it's, you know, especially if, if yep. guys are, if guys are sick and they can't practice, and because because they're physically ill or then they don't want to get other players sick. And you're yep. playing guys who are you know, walk-ons and backups during practice. That's just I mean, I'm not really sure what a coach is supposed to do there.
0: Yeah, I don't know how they're supposed to coach him up. And, yeah. and I go back to like, you know, the, the 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 folks that are pointing to like BC looked so much worse out there. I mean, like who's been one of BC's most consistent defenders this season? It's been Chabuzi and Wuka. And he lined up opposite Jared Patterson, who has not allowed a sack his entire college career. I love boozy, but he ain't getting. He's not going to get to to Drew Pine out there against Jared Patterson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and Notre Dame's got a really good offensive line group across the board. And even
1: their young guys. I think yeah. Joe Alt, Joe Alt, their left tackles, a really good young player. Uh, Josh Lug has been there a long time. He's a good player. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, at the end of the day, I don't, I, don't th- I didn't think really BC had a good chance at winning this game because of that mismatch those mismatches in the trenches. And again, if, even if they had been fully healthy with regards to the flu, I, I think it
0: would have been, you know, maybe they probably would have put some points on the board, but maybe not. <laughs> Yep. Now in our second segment, let's look at one of the biggest issues. We're going to look at the offensive line, our favorite topic here on lockdown BC. We'll get into the major struggles and talk about a question about how much their struggles has really impacted this entire season. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, if you know, upside, you know, I am a big fan. It, Inflation has us all thinking about the different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. Now, to get started with Upside, download the free Upside app and use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and boom, you're going to get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. I'm with Mitch. We're talking about this Notre Dame game. We're, this is the last segment. I promise you, folks, I want to move past this game and, I, I, and get on to Syracuse. And we will do that tomorrow. Mitch will be back. Friday. Are you available Mitch? Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not traveling for
1: Thanksgiving this year uh, because flying from uh, Colorado back to the East coast is quite expensive right now. Actually flying anywhere from the West to East is Mm. pretty uh, expensive right now, which is kind of crazy, but so yeah, I'll be around, be available to record and discuss this. I'm I'm thankful for the season almost being over. How about that?
0: I think that's what everyone here has gratitude for. Yeah. the Season's (laughs) almost over. And I think a lot of players on the team are just waiting for the season to be over, but one group that probably is waiting for the season to be over more than any other group is this offensive line. And as we said on yesterday's show, I revealed their pro football focus grades. You had three players and it, and it wasn't even um, our our usual target of, uh, of uh, mockery. It it was Jackson Ness, who I think had almost below a 20 uh, Mm -hmm. drew Kendall and uh, who was the third one? Dwayne Alec. Mm -hmm. Yep all had sub 30 scores. They were in the mid, mid to low twenties. Mm-hmm. Jack Connolly had a 36 and Ozzy Trapillo had a 68, <laughs> uh, even though he had a strip sack, strip sack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's,
1: that's kind of saying like, you know, your, your one play was really bad, but the rest of the day, you're fine. Con- it's. And then like Connolly was 38.8 yet on, on uh let's see, 31 pass blocking reps. He had two pressures, which was one hurry, one sack. And he also committed a penalty. And then Kendall allowed two pressures, one hurry, one hit, Nass allowed four, two hurries, two hits, and then Alec had one pressure, one which was one hit. So, and that that's the grades aren't completely decided by those numbers. There's also just looking at like how you did on certain plays. So, even if you didn't allow pressure, but you got your butt handed to you, you'll still get a negative grade on that play. But it's funny going back to our previous segment. I went, I, I did find some recruiting things on Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's entire offensive line, they're all four stars. Their two guards were top. Uh, thirty player recruits as offensive tackles. Uh, sorry, at their at their position. I'm sorry, uh, we're top thirty tackles at their position. So, in meanwhile, BC's operating with grand, good, 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 uh, three high three star left tackle, uh, four star center, and then you know two position converts, and uh, I think a, like a you know decent three star right tackle. So that's just kind of an, illustrates the point we're trying to make here. But again, this I think the offensive line we knew they were. Effect, really affected by the flu, but let's get I guess we'll get back into the, the point of this, the general point of this segment. Yeah.
0: So, so my question is, I was talking to a Syracuse, um, I think it was a student, uh, they, they have a student podcast and I was on it this, this afternoon and they were like, how, you know, what's really impacting the defense? And I said, the offensive line. And <laughs> and then they said, well, what's impacting the uh, the rushing air? I said, the offensive line. <laughs> and I think when I look at this, I think it, it, it's simplistic, but to me, the issues on the offensive line really permeate everything on this team. And I think Halfley would say that, too, if you asked him. Even though, And I know some of you are going, well, that's why he's a terrible coach. Well, no, it's not. Because when you have an offensive line, I mean, consider, take a step back now. There's four guys that are out for the year. On top of the five guys or four other guys. and Drew, Drew, So it's eight guys that are gone from your depth chart from last year. Yes. Jeff Hathley should have gotten, or, or he should have made a push. I don't know. I don't know what he did or didn't do in the transfer portal. That's only, he's going to tell you what he he was able to do, but I look at this offensive line. It prevents the offense from staying on the field. It puts more pressure on the defense. I'm not going to special teams. I feel like is a separate issue, but maybe they have to punt more. I feel like it's an issue that really has put a gigantic monkey wrench in anything. It makes it really hard to gauge like the folks that are saying, Oh, tem Lokabu is a, de- a terrible defensive coordinator. And Oh, this defense is crap. I think it all goes back to the offensive line. Mitch, tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think you're definitely
1: right. And to the point of Tem Lokabu being a defensive court, bad defensive coordinator. I mean, I didn't know we, people kind of got on people for doing this last year, but Looking at least the statistical side of it, BC's defense is actually still doing pretty decently. Uh, from a per game statistical standpoint, <clears throat> they're still ranked pretty highly in a lot of categories, which is very surprising given how they performed <clears throat> in this part of the season. With regards to how it directly affects the rest of the offense. So I think regardless of who was a quarterback, you wanted this team. I mean, with any football team, and even though there's been a lot of work done to prove that running the football is less efficient than passing the football. You need to be able to run the football. And there's been one of the, one of the most interesting examples has been, I, I know the players on the Buffalo bills have talked about this, is that when you're passing all the time, and, and if you, if you go to an air raid team, it's a little different because you can kind of change the thinking. Cause it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the inverse of the option where you change your whole mindset of how you're doing things, but in, in a relatively normal offense, the offensive linemen want to be going forward because pass blocking is very unnatural and it's frustrating because you're, you're operating from a, a position of weakness. Whereas when you're going forward and run blocking you're operating from a position of aggressiveness and strength, and that makes you, it increases your confidence. And if you can, if you can impose your, I think it's the quote by Howard Mudd. There's nothing greater than taking a man from point A to point B against his will. No coward. Mudd was the offensive line. coach. Actually, I think it might be, it's either him or Joe Moore who are offensive line coaching legends, but the point stands is that that, that boosts the confidence of the entire offense. And, in terms of run blocking BC is regardless of who they played, I think I mean, maybe early in the season when you had everybody, even then you really couldn't run. They couldn't really run the ball consistently. And that prevents you from then building the play action passing game off that, which has been a big part of BC's offense ever since Jeff half was got there, regardless of who the coordinator is, they want to be able to do play action because it helps open up deeper passing plays. And yep. you saw that in those early drives against NC state where they tried those hard play actions and, and today blitzed and just beat the crap out of Emmett Moore, had two huge sacks in the first two drives. So you, like, like I said, you're not running the ball well, so you're not getting that confidence. And then when you're pass blocking, I mean, BC's even worse there, where your you guys are just getting beat in one-on-one situations. And there have been times where BC has done stuff to try to mitigate that in terms of the schemes they've used. You know, They have employed a, a bit more RPOs and some quick passing stuff in recent weeks, which has been has had some success. But <clears throat> you, the problem is once, and this is kind of the issue that BC ran, ran into last year when Dennis Grassell was a quarterback is that a, as teams figure out that you can't really throw the ball deep or protect long enough to throw the ball deep, they're, they're not going to respect that threat anymore. And they're essentially just going to, you know, sit on, on what you are able to do and try to prevent that as much. So BC can't run the ball. And it's, I think it's been relatively dependent on who they're playing because in terms of the scheme they're facing. So you see a team like NC state who, even though they run a three, three, five, which is kind of similar to Louisville, the players they have in the field are very different. And BC had a decent day running the ball against Louisville because of the style they play.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I see the, the issues here and, um, and you, you, you brought up a great point, like how, how the offensive line can, can impact the, the throw game too. Oh God, I use Oh, guy. here we go. <laughs> yeah, I used the Dazio quote, but yeah, I've been covering the team way too long. Um, But you, you look at how it impacts it and you look at the injury chart and you look at what happened to Phil Dracovic, you know, broken rib, knee injury, concussion. And right there, those injuries, I mean, it's on Dracovic for not getting rid of the ball faster because I think that was an issue in itself. But a lot of that is, He's just getting hit every time he goes back. And mm-hmm. I was worried watching this Notre Dame game. Moorhead near the end of that game, I was like, I I was I said this in yesterday's episode. Like, get him out of the game because he's getting killed out there. We don't need him hurt. And his his psyche shattered too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I I think when I look at this, uh, so let's 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 throw a number here. Let's play a game here. And folks, if you're listening at home, you can throw it in the comment section too from you know from 0 to 100% how much of the struggles of this season Mitch would you put on this offensive line I
1: think well I th- I think I'd probably say at least 60% maybe 65% and I think that's I think if you just did the offense I-, I think if you just did the offense it would be about the same honestly uh because you can kind of distill things into smaller uh buckets if you will but yeah I mean it's they just, I mean, they just can't do anything consistently on offense because of how bad the offensive line is. And when they get into these situations where they need to throw the ball and you need, need to throw the ball in a traditional manner in terms of drop back passing, you know, think about it, trying to come back in the Duke game, like they needed, and even against NC state late, luckily they kind of, they got, they got some lucky bounces against NC state, but they needed to just drop back. They poured in their back they to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. And, I've tried my best to find like what what is what is happening with the players individually where they are losing these reps, and a lot of the times, I would say it's definitely more the case with the guards and Jack Conley that they are getting <laughs> beat athletically. Yep. They are just, essentially guys are just too fast, and 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 they're not looking in the right places. There was a time I think it was against NC State where it was I think it was Alec where he saw a blitzing level defense blitzing defender from like the second level. And I think calmly was blocking the edge defender. And for some reason, Alec just went to help Kendall help against the nose tackle. and Kendall had help from the left guard already. and and then I think there was a pressure on where it might have even been a sack. It's just like what what and I, I get you say like, oh, you coach better. It's like th- that shouldn't be a coaching thing. that's just like a common sense thing and and, I think that you, know, you just see a lot of these mistakes. And then guys, when they get put on there, when they're put on the defensive, they don't have the athletic ability. And that's both kind of movement based and strength based to get back in the rep and salvage. And now I think you've seen that a bit more from a guy like Ozzy Trapilo, who there are times when he gets beat and that's going to happen, regardless of how good you are, you're going to get beat sometimes as an offensive lineman, but he at least has the strength and movement skills to, you know, hold on and get back, and not, not literally hold on beat. Penalties haven't been a major issue for him, but you know, just been able to survive at least for a little longer than some of these other guys. I mean, there's just been some incredibly embarrassing reps from the guards and Jack Conley, where they're just
0: look like they shouldn't even be on a football field because of how badly they're getting beat. And oh, you can to- watch it if you if if you're looking for it and on a replay and and some of those plays that you say like you see the pressure is coming and you rewind it and get, get your eyes away from Moorhead and on the offensive line. It, as you said, it's embarrassing to watch. Like certain guys are just getting like just steamrolled like,
1: and like like I've said, like you can coach as much as you want. And again, I think there, I think there were things that they could have done that might've been able to help this with, but I mean, and I think teams knew they're saying like, okay, like if we run a lot of comp, if we run stunts and confuse these guys, we can beat them. And I'm not sure I I would have to go back and really study it in terms of, you know, was, were there any other specific stunts where teams just kept running the same thing and that was giving BC trouble. I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but you know, you can try to say, okay, like this is how and maybe even they would make adjustments and say like, okay, like we saw this a lot, this game. So this is how we're going to protect against it. And then the other side knew that. And they're like, okay, so we're also going to go off that. And with these guys that most of them are, well, uh, I guess kind of most of them are backups at this point at some point you have to say you can't be saying okay this is what's gonna happen with with this play but they might also do this or they could do this and then then you're confusing them and that's when you get those mental mistakes so it, it, i mean this is this is why football coaching is a lot harder than people think it is like you have to put a lot you're putting you have to find a way to put a lot on guys plates but also put it on their plate in a way where they can properly digest it and try to put the best product down the field and with this week specifically when you're dealing with You know, a lot of your offensive linemen sick with the flu, where either they're they were going to meetings virtually, or they're not being able to practice because they're sick. That's obviously going to impact it as well. And not to mention the fact that they're going up against now Notre Dame's all-time sack leader in terms of career sacks and Isaiah Foskey, who's going to be a first-round draft pick, and a few other defensive linemen that are quality players. So, I'm interested. I think the matchup with Syracuse this week, I think it presents pretty favorably for bc off on the offensive line actually so i think that's gonna be interesting to get into but on the season as a whole i i, I don't think you can legitimately argue a case for the offensive line being anything less than a majority of the reason why the team was uh, had so many failures
0: all right mitch i'm gonna let you go because i gotta talk basketball but where can people
1: find you on social media you can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E Uh, due to my travels. I was not able to get as much uh, writing done this weekend. So I apologize to everybody, but uh, we're going to have, I'm trying to get some interesting stuff worked up for the Syracuse game this weekend, because obviously it's the last game. So try to go out with a bang. And then once we get out out of the season, kind of do some interesting retrospective, see what teams, what, what the team did well. I wasn't much, but they did poorly, which was a lot. And then obviously this is Zay flowers last game. So, We'll probably do, I'll probably try to do some kind of a
0: ode to Zay Flowers and thank him for his incredible service to this team for the last four years. And before you go, we talked to the offensive line, but at least we know that they won't be in next year's EA sports game because Matt Brown has just tweeted out, per multiple sources familiar with the situation, EA is expected to announce tomorrow morning around 10 a.m. that EA college football will be delayed until 2024. (sighs) Well, that is sad. (laughs) That's even worse news than the Notre Dame loss at this point. Yeah. I'm not going to lie that that's very depressing. (laughs) All right. Well, Mitch, thank you for uh, stopping by today. And we'll see you on Friday to talk about uh, Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Well, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports We get it all at betonline.net. And if you love podcasts, you'll find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Spread for BC is ten and a half against Syracuse. You think they're going to cover at home on Senior Day? Head over to Bet Online. You can get your action there right now. Use the website or their mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is Locked On BC. AJ Black. We're wrapping up our discussion here of BC's day in sports, and we were talking about the football team. But hey, let's let's kick it into basketball talk here because basketball rebounded no pun intended from a terrible loss to Charlton State on Sunday with a win against Wyoming on on a Monday 59 to 48 a it was a game that i mean i'm not going to be honest with you folks i i only saw the uh, results of the game i was i had other commitments so i couldn't see it but hey what i'm going to get into here is that it was a good win and the reason it was important for a win for bc was because Demar Lankford had the flu. He was out on top of DJ Hand, Quinton Post, Prince of Ligby, and, and you're 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 you've got four guys out. Four of your top ten are out. You're playing with your B team. You have Devin McLaughlin taking heavy minutes, and you have, you know, you're playing Quinn Pemberton again. And you go out there and win. At this point, that's all that matters because this team has to get healthy. You need your guys back. Now, the end of this week, they're gonna get URI at home. You want to get some of these guys back. Um, I, I, from what I heard on Twitter, Prince Oligby has his boot off. Be nice to get him back. I, I, I think the the golden goose right now is Quint, uh, Quentin Post. You want him back because you need that big guy up the middle. But you're playing when you're playing with your B team, you're gonna have games like Tarleton State. And I don't know if they're going to beat Drake tonight to win this whole tournament. They certainly played well. But you also will have games where they show up. Devin McLaughlin looks good. You know, he is an athletic rim protector. I love that. When they're healthy, he'll have a role on this team that's not starter minutes. I think that's important to remember. He shouldn't be a starter. Neither should C.J. Penna. Neither of these guys are ACC starters. They're good guys to bring off the bench if you need minutes. But right now, right now, Earl Grant's forced to throw these guys out there. He's forced to give them big time minutes. That's a problem until they get healthy. You need to, I, you know, I think BC will be fine if they get two or three of these guys back. And then they can go from there. But DeMar Langford, he had the flu. Uh, his dad was saying, and, and Earl Grant confirmed, he had a, he had a temperature of 103 For that game on Friday night, which is crazy, man. BC has the issue with the flu. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but we'll have to figure that out. Now, as I said, they are not on until later this week. Again, they play URI. They get URI, the big 10 ACC tournament uh, challenge game against Nebraska. And then they play Duke. Duke is going to do some things if they're not healthy. All right. We're going to wrap things up here. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are striving to get to 1,000 subscribers. We are at 620 right now. Love to get to 1,000. So if you're listening right now, you haven't done this already, go to YouTube.com, find on BC, hit that subscribe button. Throw a comment in. Hit that like button. It'll get us more recognition right now. You could go to lockdown BC, Boston college on, on YouTube. We're right below BC athletics. That's how, how high up on the search engine we are. We want to get you guys on as regular listeners for us. So hit that subscribe button again. And for those who haven't, I want to thank who have, I want to thank you for doing so. And for those who haven't hope you do it for Mitch Wolf, This is AJ black. We'll see you again tomorrow's for tomorrow's episode. Where we start to talk Syracuse basketball.